Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to the First Baptist Church here in the hills of Western Massachusetts. We are very grateful that you are doing that and you are listening wherever you are. Much appreciated. Shortly, we're going to be reading the second chapter of uh, the first letter written by the Apostle Paul to young Pastor Timothy. And the title of this message is going to be Conduct During the Worship Service. Conduct During the Worship Service. So, Paul, the Apostle Paul, obviously, like I said, he's the writer, and he's writing to Timothy in a place called Ephesus, so a church was formed by the Apostle, and Ephesus was in Turkey. So I'm going to ask Joe to read 1 Timothy chapter 2 and the whole chapter, 15 verses. Thank you. Good morning. Hope all is well. We're going to be on page 1846 in the Bible in the pew, chapter 2. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases our God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper name. And for this purpose I was appointed to herald an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. I also want women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But woman will be saved through childbearing, if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Praise God. Thank you, Joe. All right, let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be here. Thank you for another day on planet Earth. And uh, we thank you most of all for the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. 
a ransom for many, of which we are part of that group. And uh, we need understanding of your word. We need, because it's spiritually discerned, help us to be in the spirit as we listen to this message that has been prepared for each one of us, not just uh, as a group, but for each one of us to learn. We ask for your help being able to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Apostle Paul in verses 1 and 2, he's urging uh, believers to pray uh, for all people, for all people, those in positions of authority as well. You know, whether you uh, like them or not, whether you're a Trump supporter or you're a Biden supporter, um, you've got to remember when this was written, Paul is telling those believers to pray for those in authority. And who was the main man in authority in those days? The emperor, Nero. And he absolutely despised Christians. In fact, he had many of them put to death. Many of them were dipped in tar and uh, lit in, in Nero's garden to entertain his friends. So and Paul is saying, you need to pray for that guy. You need not only pray for him, but pray for others in authority. And it says intercessions, that means we pray for other people, right? You, when you intercede, when you pray for other people, then you're interceding on their behalf, okay? So why should we pray? Well, we commanded to do it. That should be good enough reason. I can go home now. Why should we pray? What Paul says. So that they can be saved. Even people like Nero. So they can be saved and also that we can live a peaceful life. And that's what we all want. Amen. We all want to live a peaceful life. But there won't be peace on earth until Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom. For a thousand years. In verse 4, then Paul goes on and declares his position on predestination. Predestination. He states clearly, does the great apostle, that God wants everybody to be saved. Let's read it. Let's remind ourselves. Verse 3, this is good and pleasing to God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants everybody to be saved. Jesus died on the cross to save everybody. Of course, we know that not everybody will be saved. Many uh, Christian teachers, uh, pastors, some of them, believe that only God predestined, preordained certain people to be saved. Well, that contradicts what the Apostle Paul says, that God wants everybody to be saved. These, um, I would call them hyper-Calvinists, believe, you know, that God's picking out certain individuals before the beginning of time to be saved, and everybody else is uh, reprobate and uh, destined to hell. They don't have a choice at all. They don't have a choice. Well, that really contradicts. You know what? Paul declares his position on 
predestination, if you didn't get it the first time. He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What does all mean? All. Everybody. Not just the frozen chosen, okay? So, that put that to bed, I hope. Paul declares there's only one God and one mediator between God and mankind. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's the advocate general. He mediates on our behalf. If you want to talk to God, you've got to go through Jesus. Amen. In other words, you know, any religion, and there's numerous, any religion or religious person or a religious leader does not and cannot get you in touch with God, the Father, other than by the Son of God, Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me, only through Jesus. Jesus is the mediator between holy God and sinful man. Then Paul goes on to tell young Timothy, pastor, how those believers in the church of Ephesus, and it's not just meant to be read in Ephesus, in the church in Ephesus, it was meant to be read in all the churches, because it was handed down to the apostles from God himself. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. How they should conduct themselves in the church service. And uh, apparently they had to be told, and Paul gives instructions to do that. He starts with the men first, in verse 8, he speaks to the men in that church, because it was the men who were the leaders of the church, and they were the ones that led the worship service. And when they prayed in those days, they stood with their hands raised. That's just the way they did it. Uh, but, you know, worship should just be a, an outward show, uh, but a demonstration of our devotion and love for God. Right? Amen? Not just an outward show. There's nothing wrong with raising hands. I don't have a problem with that at all, neither did the Apostle Paul. But in those days, that's how the men prayed, with raised hands. It shouldn't be just an outward show. And there's no point lifting our hands to God in prayer unless, and if we harbor sin in our hearts, because God won't hear us. God will not hear us. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity, which is sin, in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. All right? So he will not hear our prayers if we regard iniquity. And this is why it's so important to pray and confess our sins uh, 
on a daily basis. So God will hear our prayers, but he won't if we harbor sin in our hearts, sins that we've committed or an attitude that we have towards another person. God's not going to hear those prayers. That's what he said. How can we pray to God with a clear conscience if we've got resentment or bitterness or anger or hatred in our hearts against other people? Do we expect God to answer our prayers if we've got that attitude towards others? And many of us, if not all of us, have reason to be resentful, to be bitter, to be angry against people that have offended us and hurt us. But we are to forgive them. Whether they're alive or deceased, we are to forgive them. If you want a clear conscience and if you want God to answer your prayers. All right? Clear conscience... Nothing better than a clear conscience. Who, who like, you ever felt guilty? If you're a Christian, you do. There's nothing better than having a clear conscience. It's essential in order for God to answer our prayers. Absolutely essential. But what about this instruction he gives to, to men to hold up hands when they pray? Does that apply to us today? Should we stop kneeling? I have a problem with that because I've had a knee replacement. I can kneel on one knee. I haven't got to the point where I can kneel on both knees. And what about, have we, have we got to stop sitting down to pray? Uh, do we have to stand up with our hands held high? Like Paul instructs. He's, remember, he's talking to those men in the church in Ephesus, Turkey. This command is to those men. It no longer applies to us today. It doesn't matter if we're sitting or kneeling with our hands up or our laying down. So it's a good cure for insomnia, by the way. You can't sleep at night. Start praying for people. People that come into your mind to start, before you know you Soaring logs. You may not snore, but ask your partner. They'll tell you. Or they'll give you a good elbow in the ribs to wake you up, you know. And then you act all innocent like that you didn't do it, you know. No, you wouldn't do things like that. Does it matter if you're standing up, laying down, standing on one leg? Does it make any difference as long as you pray? Have the attitude of prayer. How many times... Have you ever counted how many times that you prayed during the day? Yeah, just try it. Try it. Just jot it down. Have a piece of paper. See how many times you pray during the day. We should have an attitude of prayer continuously. You know, being in touch with our Father in heaven. He loves to hear us pray. He loves us. What father doesn't want to hear their child unless it's a screaming child that needs a diaper changing or something like that or a whiny <laughs> infant so then he goes on to talk to this talk to the men about this 
raising their hands, and he's talking about to the women now in verse 11 through 14. He goes on to instruct Timothy, who is the pastor, regarding how the women there ought to behave in the church. Apparently they needed to be told. Uh, there's a suggestion here that those, some of those women, not saying all of them, but some of them, I wouldn't say the gift of the gab. It's not really a gift. It's more of a curse, I think. Uh, uh, obviously, they were making too much noise during the worship service. They were dis disrupting the worship service, uh, the teaching and the preaching of the word by the leaders in that church. So Paul's repeated uh, reference to be quiet has more to do with being self-controlled. All right, be self-controlled. Or as we say in England, put a sock in it. <laughs> so what were those women to do? He said he instructs them to learn by listening. That's the way you learn, by listening, amen? And if they can't hear, then uh, do what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. They should remain silent in the church. Let's not make a, an unholy noise, in other words. And they must uh, ask their husbands at home. They should ask their own husbands at home. See, back in the day, they were kind of following the Jewish way of uh, worshipping. You had the men on one side and the women on the other side, and some of these ladies may have been hard of hearing. And then you've got the preacher up there preaching, waxing eloquent. What did he say? I can't hear him, you know. Ask your husband at home. Don't disrupt the service. It's rude. It's inappropriate. In fact, anyone that makes a racket during the worship service, especially when someone's preaching, it's inappropriate. It's rude. You can talk afterwards. And then he gives instructions regarding uh, how the ladies should dress. Apparently the men didn't need to be told because they didn't wear dresses. Are you still awake? All right. Dress with modesty and decency. Now you've got to remember this is a cultural thing. There's no suggestion that women shouldn't take care of their appearance, but in an appropriate way. And when he said they shouldn't braid their hair or wear gold, wear pearls or expensive clothes, was because in that day, in that era, in uh, the temple prostitutes would dress that way, all right? The temple prostitutes would dress that way. He said, don't dress like them. Just dress appropriately, decently. Uh, so the issue here is one of a culturally appropriate uh, behavior suitable in the Christian worship service at that time. So there's, today, there's nothing wrong with wearing braided hair, or gold, or pearls, if you have any, or expensive clothes. There's nothing wrong with that at all. This is appropriate for the culture in that day. When this 
letter was written, the first letter, there was only limited resources. They didn't have a New Testament. Limited resources of knowledge available at that time. What were they? Well, they had the Old Testament and the teaching of the apostles, plus false teaching. They had false teaching from false teachers. There's only three sources of teaching available to the church. The Corinthian church faced the same problem, false teaching. And Paul also warned them, not just the church in Ephesus, not to be deceived like Eve was, Adam's wife. That's what false teachers try to do. They try to deceive people because they're liars. Can't be trusted. Eve listened to what the devil said rather than asking her husband what not to eat. Evidently, she forgot the instructions. He didn't, but she should have gone to him and asked him about what God did exactly say. Is it appropriate to eat that fruit or not? It appears that some women in the Ephesus church, instead of learning and listening from the appointed elders that the apostles had ordained and given authority to teach, they wanted, some of them, not all of them, we don't know, they wanted to take the leadership roles in the church to usurp the authority of God's chosen teachers, preachers, pastors, elders, like Timothy. They wanted to exercise their authority and give orders to and dictate to the men in those leadership positions. That's what they were trying to do. Paul says, no, no, no. Don't allow them to do that. It's inappropriate. And he didn't want men teaching either unless they'd been authorized by those apostles that had God-given qualifications. That He just didn't want any Tom, Dick, or Harriet getting up there and giving their own opinions. All right? The men had to qualify as well. It's not just the women. It's not putting women down. You're saying this is the way it should be appropriately in the worship service. A woman can teach other women. They can teach the children, but they're not going to take authority over the leaders of the church. No, no, no. Paul is in no way putting women down. In fact, he says in Romans chapter 5 that it was Adam who also sinned. He's not blaming everything on Eve, his wife. He's just stating the fact that it was her, Eve, who was the one that was deceived. Adam wasn't deceived. He knew exactly what he was doing. Now what she could have done and what she should have done 
was to go talk to her husband and checked to see what the devil had told her was true that lined up with what God had said. But he didn't do that. He should have taken the responsibility as the leader and confirmed what God did say in order to protect his wife, which was his responsibility. But he didn't do that. He didn't take the leadership role. He just went right along with it. And look at what's happened ever since. We're all suffering the consequences of their disobedience, our original parents. Yes, we're not related to monkeys. Now, Paul is not suggesting that women teach the men because they are inferior in any way. He's not suggesting that at all. Well-taught, gifted women should be encouraged to use their spiritual gifts for the service of the Lord and to be able, and many are so gifted, to teach other women and children. And I've read books about certain missionaries, ladies that have gone off in the jungle by themselves and there's no men there available to do the teaching. They do the teaching because there's no one else to do it. But we're talking about a general uh, command, not to take the leadership role in the church as elders and pastors. Jesus' model of leadership is servant leadership, leading by example, leading through Service, And we've all got the ability, we've all got the gifts that God has given us to use those gifts in the service of the Lord for the benefit of the church. Amen? And thank God the women do that. But they are not to be pastors. Well, what about the ones that are? Listen to this message. <laughs> Listen, read 1 Timothy chapter 2. If you don't like it, too bad. The first principle to be able to teach is to know what the apostles taught. Should a person just stand up and speak on their own authority, like some of those women that were trying to do? to usurp the authority of the, the elders, the pastors. No. Our authority rests entirely on the word of God given to pastors through God's appointed apostles. So whenever a preacher stands up to teach or to preach, we need to be checking what he says. And whatever he says, it must align with what the Bible teaches. Amen? And if it doesn't, then it's false teaching. Check it out. Right? But, what if, what, but if the pastor is teaching according to what the word of God says, 
then we better pay attention. We better listen. And we better learn and we better put into practice what's being taught. Amen? For our benefit. For our benefit. All right, let's conclude, finally. Let's get off that subject. I don't need to squirm anymore. Got that over with. I didn't pick the most easy book to preach on this morning. But okay, it's there and it's unavoidable. Finally, verse 15. Well, let's uh, read it again because, you know, we're apt to forget, especially when you get older. What's my name? Uh, verse 15, but women, this is a tricky one, but women will be saved through childbearing. I guess the rest of them have got no chance then, right? But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love and holiness with propriety. Paul's statement that women will be saved through childbearing has understandably been misunderstood. He's obviously not referring to salvation of women through giving birth to children. Otherwise, there'd be a lot of unsaved women that never had children. <laughs> so does it make any sense at all? What does he mean? You know, some of the passages in the Bible, and we said this in Adult Sunday School, are difficult to understand. This is one of them. It's not clearly understood. This verse is one of them. And there's no point trying to speculate or come up with the right answer because we don't really know what this statement of Paul means. Only God knows the true meaning of this statement from Paul. Now, you may think you know the answer, but you don't. Neither does anybody else. And we'll, when we get to heaven, we'll ask Paul, what did you mean by that, that women will be saved through childbearing? Does that mean all the women that don't have children are lost? Of course not. Doesn't mean that at all. The best explanation and I've studied this thing. That's what I do all week. The best explanation that seems to make any sense when he says women will be saved through childbearing, it probably, I say probably, because I can't be certain either, it probably re refers to the most important childbearing event that brought the Son of God into this world by a woman, Mary. Yes, she is, the mother of God. There's no question. It was through the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, that anyone can be forgiven of their sins 
and saved through that childbearing event. Because if it wasn't for Mary, then Jesus wouldn't have been born, would he? But he could have chosen somebody else. But he didn't. He chose her. So without Jesus' mother giving birth to the Messiah, nobody would and nobody could be saved from hell and have a home in heaven when they die simply by believing faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross at Calvary. That's the best explanation I can come up with. And I don't know all the facts, and there's some things we'll never know. But that's the best explanation I can come up with. Without Jesus giving, without Mary giving birth to Jesus, none of us would be saved. Amen? Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Again, Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we hope and pray that it was clearly understood, and we have to differentiate between... Uh, the church in Ephesus and our church today, uh, culturally different. But some things were appropriate and inappropriate in those times, and some things are, are, just don't apply today, like the raising of hands when the men prayed, or certain the way women dress as well. It has to be appropriate and uh, dignified and in order. Uh, not to cause offense, but uh, I think the teaching is clear that women, uh, gifted women, uh, are a blessing from the Lord and able to teach other women. They are able to teach the children, but they're certainly not to take the leadership role as pastors in the church. That hasn't changed. That's written in stone. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us the understanding of your word. I want to address you people that have never received Jesus as your savior. It's very, very simple. Even children can be saved. They don't try to figure things out intellectually. They just believe and they know the things that they've done wrong proves that they're sinners. And sinners cannot enter into heaven the holy heaven, unless they are saved. And the only way they can be saved, the only way you can be saved, is by receiving Jesus Christ, the Savior. That's what Jesus' name means, Savior. Have you received Jesus? Have you called upon his name to save you so you don't have to be lost and go to hell? He paid the price. He, he took the punishment that you deserve for the sins you've committed. He took the fall for you. He paid the price for you so you wouldn't have to pay the price. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. So believe by faith what Jesus did for you. Tell God how sorry you are. Tell Jesus how sorry you are for suffering in your place to pay the price and then ask him to save you so you can 
be guaranteed a home in heaven and peace on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, thank you so much for listening, watching, wherever you are. And uh, those that were watching on YouTube or Facebook, give us a thumbs up and subscribe so we can get the message out to everybody so that they can be saved. Amen. Thank you and God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.